Hello, everybody, and welcome to this week's edition of the Cubs Corner, presented by Cubs Analyst. I'm Anthony Pasquale, and on today's edition, we welcome 670 The Score reporter, Chris Emma. Thanks for joining us, Chris. Thanks for having me. So since the last time we've met, the Cubs have take, taken three of four from the Marlins and two of three from the Milwaukee Brewers behind great pitching, three walk-off homers, and Chris Bryant looking like an MVP. Currently, the Cubs sit 24-19, first place in the NL Central and ahead of the Milwaukee Brewers by two and a half games. Chris, what's the vibe of this team right now? They're looking good. They're feeling good. I mean, it's uh, I, I like what Chris Bryant said. I, I think sometime last week after one of the walk-offs was why they have to start one and six. And, you know, that's kind of the question that Cub fans wonder as well, like Bryant, but... Um, everything's kind of come together. This is the team we all expected to see, and it's a team that looks to be a World Series contender. Yeah, I was talking to somebody earlier today, and they said the exact same thing. They said this team could win the World Series, and for the Cubs to do that, do you think this roster is complete, or maybe they have to make a move or two? Nah, I mean, they'll, they'll be making moves. Uh, they got to bolster the bullpen. Um, you know, it, through the walk-offs and some of the stuff last week, the, the bullpen was just not really great, even against the Marlins. And uh, you got a glimpse of that with that loss. That should have been a win on Monday, the, a week ago Monday, um, that 6-5 game against uh, Miami. But also, um, there was a blown save that led to the, the Bryant walk-off homer. Um I mean, they've uh, they've not exactly been the most fine-tuned bullpen so far. They've been good. Uh, it'll get work. It'll get through. But um, the Cubs knew entering this season before, you know, the setback to Morrow and before the latest uh, setback for Strokes hamstring that they'd be looking at the bullpen and looking aggressively to it. So um, come, you know, uh, maybe even June, if not, but certainly by the end of July, uh, you'll see a number of different bullpen reinforcements there. So my question, my next question is for you, pretty much as a journalist, is who's your favorite guy to cover on the Cubs? Man, I mean, it's tough. Uh, it's a really likable group. Man. There's no, uh, you know, there's no bad guys in that clubhouse. Um, you know, in terms of us, our, our dealings, that kind of thing. I mean, it's, it's a really good group to be around. Um, I don't know. That's a tough one. Um, I don't know. <laughs> well, I mean, all of the above it. John Lester's going to be great. You know, he's got such a focused demeanor on the mound, but um, you know, he's got jokes. He's got a ton of personality, and he lets it shine every once in a while. He's got a lot of thoughts as well. So um, I, I guess the answer is probably, probably maybe Joe Madden, though. I mean, uh, somebody in that position who really is as relaxed and outgoing uh, as he appears. It's everything you kind of imagine the guy to be. And also, since the last time we met on this podcast, the Cubs decided to bring up Addison Russell among amongst a flurry of moves that sent, um, I believe it was Alan Webster back down to AAA, or maybe it was Dylan Dylan Maples, I can't quite remember, but um, Ben Zobris went on the restricted list dealing with a family issue, Descalso still has a banged up ankle, so it kind of paved the way for Russell to come back into a Cubs uniform. Did you anticipate anything like this happening so soon? Yeah, I, I think I did. Um, you know, Theo Epstein said they wanted to give Russell some time, but obviously uh, Zobra's leave of absence necessitated this, the same with the Descalso injury. Look, I mean, they, they invested in the baseball player, Addison Russell, and I know they're doing a lot of good work uh, in terms of combating domestic violence and doing this kind of in – 
after the suspension was served and the discipline was done by Russell, but the Cubs have every intention as an organization to make a positive difference in the community and, uh, you know, with local uh, organizations there to combat domestic violence, but make no mistake, I mean, this is a baseball move. Um, this is Theo Epstein believing that this guy, uh, who was an all-star in 2016, can, you know, return to some kind of form and be a high-level player with the right structure in his life on and off the field, uh, at Wrigley Field and at his home life. So um, I, I appreciate and respect the way that Theo Epstein and the Cubs have handled this in terms of, you know, their sincere intent to make a positive difference, but they also wanted to help develop Addison Russell back as a player too, which is the first and foremost reason they made this decision to tender him the contract. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's not a surprise that he's back with this team and that he's going to be playing a fairly prominent role. Eventually the Cubs are trying to get uh, his swing and his form back in the plate and kind of um, work over what he missed out on with uh, not being uh triple a level for an extended period of time but um the cubs are committed to making this guy work as a player and did despite any uh fans thinking that it wasn't the right move because of addison russell the person do you think it was the right move by the cubs because of addison russell as the player i don't know it's a tough question and I don't know if you can necessarily separate the two. Um, obviously, the feelings are there and mostly strongly against Addison Russell. And, um, you know, his first appearance back in Wrigley last Wednesday, the boos were out. Uh, they continued throughout the weekend where, uh, you know, oftentimes fans uh, become fans and they cheer for the player uh, and totally neglect what the guy is or what, uh, speaking of, uh, you know, kind of specific or uh, not specifically, any athlete who's coming back from kind of some kind of controversy, they'll blindly take his side, and that's not really been the case with Russell, who's been hearing it from uh, the Cubs fans and hearing their disapproval of him. So, um, I don't know if you can necessarily, um, you know, separate the two because it is a strong and serious issue. Um, as a player, uh, Russell, it. it really not looked like himself the last two seasons uh, since his all-star year being a key part of a World Series team, but um, there was a lot going on in his life um, and that the Cubs are trying to help him kind of get together and get the structure back in place, so um, it's a difficult thing to really discuss and address, but I think the Cubs have a strong realization that um, if Russell does have the right structure and has kind of a clean uh kind of a clean start if you will he will be able to thrive as a baseball player too so you know he served his punishment he's come back positive upbeat uh says he's a better person from this all and uh you know you'd like to see him first and foremost in his personal life but also given the baseball investment you want to see it on the field too i i agree and i think um one of the things about this this whole thing is I, I was writing a paper about it actually for school and I focused the paper on the fact that athletes tend to get this special treatment when they're under controversy like this. But I really applaud Cubs fans for not really letting Addison Russell off the hook and, and, and giving him the booze. And that being said, he had a quote last week. I think it said, um, for them to boo somebody that's trying to help their hometown team win a World Series that's on them. And that quote kind of rubbed me the wrong way. Uh, what, what do you think about that? 
Yeah, he kind of threw away uh, any kind of goodwill he was trying to build up. I <laughs> say that. And, and it was only the one outlet, and it was only the one reporter. And uh, we don't quite know the context in which he was uh, saying this, but um, obviously, I mean, he's right. Fans have the right to react however they want. Uh, Theo Epstein straight up admitted, I mean, yes, the fans are going to react appropriately, and appropriate is booing. That said, uh, you know, last year, Josh Hader and the Brewers came back after the All-Star break, and uh, some of these old racist tweets were revealed, and um, he got, uh, not only did he not get booed, but he got a standing ovation uh, from the Milwaukee crowd, and I'm just using this as a is a one uh, one time example, but it kind of shows the way that fans will be fans regardless uh, of how they feel or what really they should be feeling. And fans are willing to act inappropriately uh, when it's welcoming back a controversial or difficult figure. Uh, so yeah, I appreciate. It. And honestly, I was kind of surprised by Cub fans mostly booing Addison Russell when he got back uh, last Wednesday, and when you know ever since then he's been booed ever since. Yeah, and I. I do think he deserved to be booed, but I will say one thing. If if it was the type of player that he was in 2016, I don't think he'd be getting the same type of boos. Uh, yes and no. I, I, I think Cub fans are willing to recognize the player he was in 16 um, and the player he's been the last two years, but um, I don't know. I I think it's mostly just related to what Addison Russell was accused of doing and what he, and what he was suspended for. I think Cub fans are willing to take that all very seriously. And, you know, it, it's good. It's a good reflection of society, can, certainly better than what I was kind of expecting. I, I agree with you, and, and I think that's enough about talking about some of the negative parts about this team. What about Chris Bryant? He's been absolutely locked in at the plate. I personally think... He got snubbed from uh, NL Player of the Week. What What's going on with Bryant? You know, the, the cool part of the story and a reflection of this team and you know the status quo right now is uh, the changes occurred with Joe Madden and him embracing the coaching role that the Cubs really kind of suggested strongly that he take on. You know, Theo FC wanted Joe Madden to be more hands-on uh, with the individuals and not just be the manager, but be a coach and be uh, a liaison in a way. Uh, Joe Madden was the one who noticed that Chris Bryant's uh, stance, he was getting way too sloppy, if that's the word, uh, noisy perhaps, where there's too much movement in the legs and the bat waggle was getting a little too aggressive. And then he starts his swing and his approach and everything's just kind of coming out of whack. And uh, I think we actually talked about it before when I was on a few weeks ago about the way that the swing just kind of looks long and lost. And it wasn't the quick compact swing where you know Bryant's ripping the ball to the left side pulling it hard and getting results um, he's doing that now because his swing is kind of mellowed out and returned to what uh, we've seen it be before and you know, uh, kudos to Joe Bandit for being the one to notice that. Yeah and I also think I read an article about he's using a different type of bat with a different handle um, he broke his bat in a game against the Diamondbacks and the bat boy brought him this new bat with a different handle, and the next pitch he hit a home run, so he's been using it ever since, and I think he's homered five times since that Diamondback series, so he's red hot right now. He's been locked in. I mean, he, he said it. Everything kind of changed down in Arizona, so yeah, it, the bat's part of it, but his swing just looks different. It looks bad, like what it was 
you know, pre-shoulder injury, Chris Bryant. And I don't know if the shoulder's the cause of the slow start this year because he is healthy. Uh, he was at that time. Uh, I, I think it's probably a byproduct of his swing kind of coming out of whack and changing from what we've seen it be before. But um, you're seeing a guy who looks like you know, his all-star self. And, hell, I mean, maybe MVP-type level eventually if it keeps going. Yeah, I agree with you, and one another player that we've seen can perform at MVP level is Anthony Rizzo, but he was sidelined Sunday, and it looks like he's going to be out today with um, a back injury. Do you know any more on that? Um, yeah, it, it, it's something that's chronic. It's something that's been there. Uh, I remember last year he said that it flares up in Cincinnati, and obviously he was out of the lineup before the team arrived in Cincinnati, so I don't know if he was joking about that or not, but he says the bed they, uh, that he sleeps in, in like the type of bed they have in this hotel they stay in there has been bad on his back he might have been just kind of tug in cheek with that one but uh, Rizzo has dealt with some of these back flare ups that have uh, affected him in the past and so yeah you give him his time fortunately you have the kind of depth where you just plug in Brian at first base and put Bodie at third and you feel good yeah and I, I kind of realized that this might be just a trend for Cubs first baseman because I remember Derek Lee dealt with the same type of back problems too. Yeah, I, I mean, you're talking about you know two big guys who kind of uh, you know different stances between Lee and Bryant, but Bryant or excuse me Rizzo, but Rizzo has that uh, straight up stance, and I don't know if bats are complicated, uh, but the key in these kind of situations, like it was for Lee, <laughs> forgot about that one, but it's all about the rest. You got to make sure you're taking care of that, getting the right kind of treatment. So, uh, ideally it's only a couple days for him. Yeah, definitely. And you talked a little bit earlier about how the Cubs probably need to bolster their bullpen a little bit towards, um, the all-star break or maybe a little bit sooner because they may not be completely, complete I guess you could say in the bullpen but Dallas Keuchel and Craig Kimbrell are still out there do you do you anticipate them getting signed this season let alone and if they do maybe in uh pinstripes or no um I, I don't think there's any scenario in which the Cubs bring in Keuchel um it, there have been I'd heard privately there have been some concerns about kind of his health and uh, what's in that throwing arm, uh, what he's going to be able to present. So I, I don't know how that's going to play out, but it sounds like it's something where it's not going to be both he and Kimbrell are going to be waiting until after the draft and after the uh, compensatory picks and the, uh, you know, the details there are ironed out. So um, I, I, I think Kimbrell's probably just going to land somewhere else. Maybe, maybe it's Boston. Maybe he goes back there. Uh, might be Atlanta. I mean, it, seem like that and never rule out the Brewers who have the money set aside and are able to make that kind of move. But um, look, I mean, the Cubs have been transparent about it. They do not have uh, the kind of baseball budget to make these kind of moves. And um, unless you're able to move something like a Tyler Chatwood off the books, or I don't think you're moving you Darvish anytime soon, but um, they don't have the baseball budget to make it happen. So I do not see it. And you mentioned both Chatwood and Darvish. It seems like Chatwood, is a bright spot for this Cubs team, whereas Darvish is still a concern. We've talked about it just about every week on this podcast, and I want to know what's your take on Darvish and if, if he'll ever get right. It starts with fastball command for Darvish. It's it's really as simple as that. He's got a terrific fastball variation, four-seam, two-seam cutter, um, great movement, high velocity. He can hit it 
Uh, high 90s if he wants. I mean, we've seen him pop 99 this year, but he can also throw it in 95 with great movement that drops away from you. Um, it's all about locating it. He's just going to start with just trying to throw it for strikes. He shouldn't be worried about hitting the right corners, uh, that kind of thing. You know, what you Darvish needs more than anything is just throwing strikes with that and trusting that the movement, the velocity with which he throws is going to be enough to get the, you know, get the misses instead of worrying about hitting the corners. He also needs to settle into a rhythm and you can just watch it and see in this guy, he gets the ball back from the catcher, kind of meanders back behind the mound and he'll grab the rosin bag or he'll kick at the rubber or look off to the scoreboard. He does not have any kind of focus level out there that's helping him. You um, Darvish needs to approach his next start, uh, his next start coming up this week, uh, tomorrow in fact, and just get in a rhythm, worry about pounding the strike zone and doing the rest from there. Uh, he threw 50% fastballs for strike last week, last Thursday against the Marlins. The Marlins, I mean, this is not a team we should be nibbling at. Go right at these guys. Uh, and he's not doing it right now. So uh, with Darvish, it's all about just locating that fastball, trusting that your stuff will make people miss. And I think he's going to be able to go deep in a game. Um, as for Tyler Chatwood, you're seeing some really promising stuff from the guy. Uh, I asked Joe Maddard about it last week, and he's really intrigued to see this guy uh, expand himself in a bullpen role. Um, and not just be somebody who you put in there to eat a couple innings, but to continue to be a high-leverage guy. Um, Chatwood has the kind of stuff that makes him miss. Very similar to Darvish in that respect, where he's got the fastball that moves, uh, nasty slider, he's got a good changeup that goes with it as well. Um and he's locating the stuff uh, much better. And, and unlike Darvish, Darvish is not, you know, is a step behind where Chatwood is now. Chatwood still will get himself into trouble, but the, the difference now is that he's able to work out of it uh, and really just start pounding the strike zone again. So Chatwood's got a much better comfort of his arsenal and the ability to locate his pitches now. Uh, and the Cubs are going to keep trying him out because it's a sunk cost at $38 million. It's been paid. It's, taken care of now um they don't have a spot in the rotation and i know he had one very good start uh, earlier this year but they're trying to expand his bullpen role and see if he's got some back-end stuff as long as he's locating pitches i think he can do it yeah i agree with you for sure and and you mentioned darvish that he doesn't really have have a rhythm is a guy like lester or Hendricks somebody you mean when you say rhythm um those two yes i, I i'm thinking more jose quintana who has kind of found you know a turnaround with his craft uh, by trying to worry about that rhythm and uh, same thing. It's really just as simple as getting out there and pounding the strike zone. Um, that's a really simple way of saying it. It's not very technical, I'm aware, but um, what it means when you're dealing with these kind of pitchers is saying trust your stuff. Uh, just get out there and don't worry about nibbling, uh, especially these guys who like Darvish and Chatwood who have had command issues and Kitana to a much lesser extent too. Uh, it comes up some guys with some really good stuff and really talented stuff that, that you're able to really, you know, uh, you know, whether it's high velocity or good movements, the good pitch variation, just trust that. Just go out and do it and 
you know, Quintana's been able to find success, and as he said, by just really we're dealing with the right rhythm and uh, approaching things differently than he has in the past. And uh, Darvish just seems like he's lost on the mound. And if you're watching this guy, you're watching mental gymnastics out there for 97 pitches or whatever it's going to be on any given day. You can just see him struggling with himself, and he's just got to overcome his own uh, demons on the mound, if you will, and just really start pounding the zone. Yeah. I, I think that's as, it's as simple as that. I know, like you said, it's not really that technical, but, but just start pounding the strike zone, go after these hitters. I think Joe Madden said it best, kind of throw it, let him hit it type of mentality, and I think that'll kind of get him out of his, um, his little rut. Um, and moving forward, my question for you, it's a pretty simple one, but who is the Cubs' X, X factor moving forward? Um. I think it's got to be Chris Bryant. You know, he was such a missing ingredient last year, and um, you're, you know, it's not you can't understate what the Cubs are missing. I mean, that's an MVP level player uh, when Chris Bryant is healthy and at, at his best. Uh, it's got to be KB. I mean, it, it's really as simple as that. They they missed him so badly. And, you know, you can look to a lesser extent at Contreras, who uh, they were missing last year as well, and he's been much better this season. Uh, but if you have a full season of Chris Bryant being Chris Bryant, uh, you feel like this team's going to go a long way. Yeah, I'm with you there. And I have another quick question for you like that. And the Cubs currently sit at first place in the division. So fill in the blank. The Cubs win the NL Central if... Uh, if they have health, I, I really think it's as simple as that. I mean, this division's going to go down to the very end. Uh, look, the Brewers are a better team than they were last year. And I know the Cubs just took two out of three from them, but, um, the Brewers bolstered themselves at the deadline last year. Um, you know, some good additions like Moustakis and it was, uh, it was scope last year, um, mixed in with the incredible rise of Christian Yelich and they had a good deep lineup and they still got the MVP playing at his best. I mean, uh, the Brewers are better for this full season than they were last year, but the Cubs are back to form. You're seeing it. You're getting a good look at it. Uh, it's Bryant. It's Contreras. It's uh, Baez, still being Baez. Um, and it's a rotation that one through four right now, uh, minus Darvish, is really, really good. Um, I think the Cubs will, like as we mentioned before, add to the uh, bullpen depth. Uh, they'll get some good back-end options in place. But as long as Bryant, and health, Bryant is staying healthy, uh, same with Rizzo, who's out of the lineup right now, and the rest of these guys, uh, they don't have much room for uh, margin for error, uh, margin to lose players, but um, this team looks pretty darn good right now. It's currently constructed. And this week, the Cubs travel to Cincinnati to play the Reds, and then they go to Washington to play the Nationals and have their third straight Sunday night baseball game. What do you expect from the Cubs this week? You know, it, it's unique when you kind of step away from, I know they had the Marlins in town last weekend, but when you go a step down in terms of the excitement level where, you know, you got the yeah, the division rivals in town for three games and some big spotlight games at Wrigley too. Now you're playing a great American ballpark and a red team that's underachieved, but, um, you know, you've heard the term circle game. Uh, some of these games, you know, the games that they've circled uh, as potential letdowns and said, you know, they really committed themselves to winning. There might be a circle game this week in Cincinnati. And 
uh, especially as you head out to Washington after this series. So uh, keep an eye on that Thursday and how the Cubs come out. Uh, I believe it's a matinee game, uh, you know, the kind of game that we've seen them lose in the past, where you take those first two contests uh, against a rough Reds team and then you lose like 8 nothing, 9 nothing to a team you should be pounding away. Uh, I'm interested to see not only how they do, uh, you know, the Tuesday, the Wednesday game, but that Thursday game as you are uh, prepared to head out to uh, uh, to Washington and uh, take on the Nationals and, you know, a bigger stage and bigger uh, kind of competition level. So, um, yeah, it's I'm interested to see how they kind of handle uh, what they're up against this week in Cincinnati. Yeah, I agree, and I think the best thing about this current Cubs team, and it's the first time I personally have felt this way since 2016, is that you go in every day almost expecting to win. After that rough start to the season, it's like you come to the ballpark every day looking for that W, and as as a fan and somebody that watches this team every day, I I do. I do expect this Cubs team to win, and I don't think that – they're red hot right now. I think that this is the team that you're going to be looking at for the rest of the year. Yeah, you know, you and I can expect them to win, but as Theo Epstein said at the end of last season when they bowed out in the wild card game, Cubs can't expect to win. They can't go into every day and say, you know, oh, we're better than the Reds. We'll take care of these guys. That's the kind of uh, approach that got them into trouble last year. Uh, you know, as I've seen also said, I mean, they didn't lose the division uh, in game 163 against the Brewers or the wild card game uh, up against the Rockies. I mean, they lost it with the games like those in Cincinnati where uh, it is an evening game after all. It's a 540 game, uh, that Thursday game. But, you know, those matinee games where they seem to just come out flat and look tired and just not really approaching anything the right way. Those are the games they have to turn around this year because, um like I said, the Brewers are better than last year. The Cardinals are better than last year. Uh, the Pirates are better than last year as well. And, you know, the Reds have kind of underperformed. It has to level out a little bit. But um, the Cubs, if they want to win this division and have their talent reveal itself to the fullest, have to approach those kind of letdown type games the right way. Yeah, I, I agree with you 100%. I think that sense of urgency still needs to be there. I just. I meant it in the sense that I'm I'm really confident in this team. I don't don't see any way they could slip. Yeah, that, I, I agree. I mean, I, I you're after that two and seven start and the way things really began in such a down note for them. Um, the Cubs are back to playing like the Cubs, and uh, you know, there's obviously a lot of margin in which they can improve with. I talked about you, Darvish, and the struggles there. If you can go one through five in the rotation, uh, feeling like you got a chance to win, then that's a good place to start. But, um, you know, you can still get more from guys like Kyle Schwarber. Um, Ian Hamps' return could be coming soon. Uh, there's different places uh, where you can improve within this roster, whether it's lineup rotation. Uh, we mentioned the bullpen. But uh, right now they look pretty good here so far, and you can only imagine them getting better as things go on. Yeah, I agree with you, and that's just about all the time we have today on the Cubs Corner Podcast. Thank you, Chris, for joining us today. Thanks for having me. And until next time, you can find our podcast on Google Play, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, or Spotify. If you want to catch up on some episodes or subscribe to watch them in the future. But for now, thanks for coming to the Cubs Corner. I'm Anthony Pasquale. Go Cubs!